Welcome to the Parker Avery Group's Talk Retail to Me podcast and new for 2023 video series. In each episode, our consulting professionals cover key retail and CPG topics and offer pragmatic insights that will add value to your operations and initiatives. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Kathy Toll and I'm with the Parker Avery Group. I lead our organizational change practice and this is our first happy hour and welcome. And I literally have a glass of wine right now, so it's a true story. So today we focus on transformational leadership. And first, let's take a moment to let people introduce themselves. I have two of my esteemed colleagues here, Carrie Habel, who's a senior manager, and Marty Anderson. So we'll take a moment and Carrie, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Carrie Habel. And um, I am, have been with the Parker Avery Group for probably about three years, I guess it has been now. And I am with the change management practice along with Kathy. So nice to meet everybody, sort of. Hi, Marty. I'm Marty Anderson. Um, I've been in retail for over 25 years with Parker Avery for about six and uh, do a lot of business transformation projects from end-to-end -end merchandising and planning is inclusive of change management. So really looking forward to the discussion. Thank you both. So let's jump right in. First, let me set up the conversation around transformational leadership. A few months ago, Carrie and I did a podcast on transformational leadership and change management and the intersection of the two. And I think it's fair to say ever since we've been obsessed with the topic to level set a definition of transformational change as, as we talk about it, as we define it. I like to start with, with talking about what it's not. Transformational leadership is not sitting down with your associate weekly and going through the checklist of like, great job, five calls this week. Yay, you dropped off three pamphlets. It's not just showing up as the boss when something's going wrong. And it is certainly not rewarding results without looking at how the results were achieved. How, what behaviors were used to achieve those. So we've established what is not transformational leadership. So Carrie, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is? Sure. And cheers, everybody. First of all, it is happy hour. So wanted to oh. wish everybody a happy hour and uh, hopefully have some fun today. Um, so for change leadership, first of all, I think for organizations to transform, whether that's through like a project or a large scale initiative, the leadership really has to evolve. So we work with companies every day who do a really a tremendous job of investing their time, their energy, their financial resources, um, really on more of the technical side of change. And usually they leave the people side to either us <laughs> from a change management standpoint, um, or to the project team or to the managers leading kind of the end users. Um, so what they don't typically realize though is the number one success factor in any change or transformation effort is active sponsorship by senior leaders. So I'll say that again, the number one success factor for any change or transformation effort is active sponsorship by senior leaders. And um, so when we talk about senior, or when we talk about transformational leadership, we really wanna make sure that we're really starting at the top with those senior leaders and those executives. And so I'll start by sharing just the role executives play in um, kind of sponsoring change really goes well beyond the decision rights in a steering committee, um, which a lot of times I think that's what they think they, that they are um, supposed to do, but that doesn't mean that they don't steer. And so we have found that executives leading transformation, like when they're leading successful transformation, um, they really focus on evolving their leadership through a practice that we call STEER. Um, so I'll give you the acronym here. So STEER stands for self-assessment, transparent communication, engaging high performers, elevating their EQ, and then rethinking the wow 
And we actually offer like a self-assessment for leaders as well, just to understand, you know, we do a little profile assessment to give them a, a profile, so to speak, on what type of leader they actually are um, as they're leading transformation. So it's a fun assessment that we take and we, we can do that with all types of different leaders. But the first thing for the executives is really to do some self-assessment and transformation can create a lot of uncertainties and concerns a lot of times um, with employees. And self-assessment really helps um, executives evaluate their communication style, their kind of trust building ability, their employee engagement strategies. So we want them to do some assessment to really you know, think about, well, how do I need to think differently? How do I need to lead differently? And then what do my people really need from me to promote the successful transformation? So it really starts with doing kind of a deep dive on, on themselves. Um, the second is the T, and that's transparent communication. And we, I think every single client that I have ever worked with and got to know their teams, they always say, we wish we had more transparency, especially when it comes to things that are happening that are, that are change, you know, that's changing, whether it's a project or you know, just in general, there's change that happens every single day, but they want the leaders to be more transparent. So this is critical, um, is that tran that transparency. So transformation is not going to happen without kind of winning the minds of their people. And um, teams expect that transparent communication. They want to know, you know, what's changing and why and how it will affect the people in the organization, like what's in it for me. And they want to be, you know, open. They want their leaders, I should say, to be open um, around the potential implications. So what are the risks? What's changing that's, you know, going to be negative, et cetera. So that's the T in transparent communication. Uh, then we move into engaging high performers. And so that's really about executives being able to identify, you know, who are those enthusiastic, you know, high performers, high potential individuals that can really help to lead the charge um, around the transformation efforts. And um, we also need them to make sure that they, you know, equip them with the right skills, that they hold them accountable, they have the tools and the things that they need to be able to um, lead it successfully. And one of the important things too is just to celebrate their kind of contributions and their efforts along the way. A lot of times they wait till the end of the project or the end of the initiative, and that's when there's celebration and recognition around the people that helped to really lead that effort. Um, so really want to make sure that they're engaging those high performers and those high potential, both individual employees as well as leaders to be a part of that transformation. But then, you know, make sure, again, they have the skills, hold them accountable, and they celebrate their success along the way. Um, the next E is elevating their EQ. And so EQ, for those of you who may not know, is emotional intelligence. And that's really around like self-awareness having the ability to understand and manage um, your own emotions, um, understand your impact on others, and then being able to recognize and influence the emotions of all of those people around you. And this is really important as well, especially during periods of transformation, because it's essential for um, executives to be able to navigate that emotional landscape. So there's the highs and lows of any change and especially large transformation efforts. There's a lot of emotions. And so um, being able to be a little bit self-reflective again and being able to kind of elevate um, their ability to have high EQ is really important um, so they can make sure that they're navigating that emotional journey of the transformation for their team. And when I think about it, like, truly employees during any period of change, um, they are really looking at how are the executives showing up? You know, are they really walking the, walk the walk or walking the talk? And are they really tuned into the emotions of their people? So they're very in tune to, to watching those executives and beginning to role model. And also just being able to validate, like they really believe in what the transformation is. So it's really important to have high EQ. And then the last, Kathy, this is really something that I got from you, which was the wow. So rethinking the wow. And the wow is really the ways of working. And that's really starting with the leaders. So it's important to kind of think about long-term as, as an organization, like how are they gonna work? What, what does the ways of working look like? 
but even before a transformation starts, it's really important to have the, the leaders that are going to be leading that transformation um, kind of define, like, what is that going to look like? How are we going to work together? How are we going to show up differently so the teams see that? Um, you can kind of start to implement some of the new behaviors of the transformation. And it really helps to like establish like what are those role modeling behaviors? Um, what are the new processes? Um, how are we going to enable accountability? So providing those guidelines really helps, again, the, those leaders navigate the complexities of the transformation. And some of the things that I think about is, um, I know I'm sure a lot of you have, have heard about, you know, creating a safe environment, that psychological safety. And so we, they, you know, in, in that um, ways of working, they should be asking like, how are we gonna create a safe, and a safe environment um, to ask questions where people feel like they can share their emotions and ask maybe tougher questions? Um, how do we break down our organizational norms and test new things without that fear of failing? And then um, also like, how do we create an environment to have true honest conversations um, encouraging teams to share their obstacles and risks around kind of the, you know, the transformation or the new ways of working. So they should really be thinking through, like, how are we going to create that environment and really build trust and create that psychological safety for their teams? So that's what we call steer the STEER practice. Um, and I think when the executive leadership evolves, um, that's when really the transformation starts. And it's certainly going to have much better success if it really starts with that, that top level C-suite executives, those senior leaders. Um, so when they start to show up differently, that really starts the transformation process. So Marty, I'm gonna give you a chance to share. It's like a true typical happy hour where somebody like just keeps talking and doesn't give anybody else a chance. So I'm gonna turn it over to you. I think we have a question around uh, the difference between change management and transformation, I think. Is that, uh, is that where you'd like to take it? Not quite. Not yet. So before Marty introduces right. himself, it wouldn't be a true happy hour unless we did a quick poll and asked, for chance, what is your favorite happy hour beverage? Just enter it into the chat and we'll, we'll go over to our stage manager. Behind the scenes, what are you seeing? Tell us about it. It looks I like we've see. got some margaritas, some Stevie yeah. Ann and her dirty gray goose martini. Carrie's is Tito's soda. I see some, some Blantons. I see some Blantons. Paula loves red wine. Yay, that I need. Chuck is a gin and tonic guy. Trisha needs her ginger beer to survive. <laughs> he is all about the tequila and the margarita. Okay, don't mince your words there, Nia. <laughs> Looks like it looks like a good assortment of cocktails. Excellent. Thank you so much. Great ideas for my next beverage. So let me turn it back over to Marty and have him introduce himself. I, I think I introduced myself with Marty Anderson. As we're talking about, you know, change leadership versus change management and and Kathy and um, Carrie both kind of hit on key things that will probably continue to resonate about you know, how, how people see change management as, as very episodic and, and it's a very structured step-by-step, -step, you know, way of doing things versus transformation is much broader and it's about many things happening at once and we kind of liken it as the difference between mm -hmm. playing an instrument and participating in, a, in an orchestra. And if, if you're needing to lead an orchestra as a, as a leader, that there are a lot of different activities going on. There are a lot of different instruments, different tunes that are all supposed to harmonize and, and work together and sometimes they don't, you know, sometimes you have to, to <laughs> dig in and, and work a little harder, practice and isolate, you know, some of the things that aren't, aren't working really well. And, you know, the one of the things that I think is key and, and Carrie touched on a lot of different components of it, um, where I tend to focus a lot with leaders is if you're really if you're really intent on change leadership and and transformational leadership in, in particular, you have to acknowledge that there's going to be a lot of things going on and that resiliency in your organization and each of the individuals is going to be a very key tenant and it's going to take a lot of energy and so with that comes a lot of those things that carrie was touching on is that i think leaders have to become more in tune with the people who work for them how they work how they're motivated um, when they run out of gas how to give them more you know how to take breaks um, how much they can take at any given time 
I think it's one of the things that we learned so much during COVID because like it or not, COVID was transformational. Um, it, it forced us to immediately change how we worked, who we worked with, you know, what was uh, prioritized and, and those sorts of things. So remote work is a great example of, of how we've had to learn to work differently. We're working differently right now with each other. Um, and with that came a lot of different stresses on people. People's attentions got divided differently than they ever had been in the workplace by nature of them working in a different place sometimes. And, and what does that look like and what, what different um, stresses does that bring to the organization? And so I think acknowledging that and understanding that how you perceive what can be accomplished, what are those bite-sized steps? How do you become more agile, as Kathy reminds me all the time, to, to look for the small wins and, and don't wait for the big you know, win at the end. Like, what, what can we get accomplished tomorrow and celebrate? What can we get accomplished this week and celebrate? What does the next month look like? And, and breaking it down, transformation is ongoing. It, it's not really stopping. It's about building muscles so that you can do more over a longer period of time and not wear out. Yes, what I love about the the day-to-day, -day, especially when transformation is happening, change is happening, it's noisy. I, like I use that word a lot and I'm, I'm people will look at me. You're gonna hear a lot of noise from your people because it's uncomfortable. And some people might be embracing it, other days they might not. You might have some people that are fighting it and you have to be prepared. It it's really goes back to, um, Carrie mentioned it yesterday, a little bit about the situation and how you're managing that person in that situation at that moment. 100%, I think there's so much, um, a little bit of confusion, I think too, just around you're starting to hear the buzzword of, you know, transformation versus change and every organization kind of views those things different um, change management is more about an event sort of um, and transformation is much more about building that capability from a leadership standpoint and it has a lot more legs more touches more initiatives it builds a different type of culture so we're still trying to define it and there is no hard, fast rule or definition yet, because everybody does have a, their own interpretation of what that really means. I am dying to know when any, you, the viewing and listening audience, hear the phrase change management, just a couple of words, put it into the chat. What do you think of? What comes to mind? <laughs> Trisha thinks of the IT department. Mm -hmm, yeah. Communication mm -hmm. thing, controversy. Controversy. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> Might call us. Yes. Oftentimes we say change management and you see people check out the meeting. They're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Reorganization. Optional. That's a good, that is, a good is it though? <laughs> we would <Right>. say no. <laughs> so I do think though, like when I had shared a little bit about change, you know, change management, I do think that a lot of times it's left up to an individual or the HR group or the end, the managers of the end users, depending on the project. But a lot of times it's not, it's not necessarily uh, thought of as the responsibility of the leaders right. or the old or all of the leaders and especially the senior leaders. That's interesting, and optional, because I, I think what human evolution has proven to us is that change is not <laughs> optional. Um, change is required for survival, whether you're talking about business. Um, look at the blockbusters. Um, when was the last time you saw one of those hanging around on a corner? You know, Wait, if, I'll, if, I'll get my Polaroid out. That's right. Um, <laughs> change is inevitable. And I think the optional part is sometimes how painful it is, right? Um, you you kind of choose how you enter it and how you manage through it and, and where you end up, I think. And that's, that's the part that's hard to get across. We were talking about an analogy about transformation compared to a conductor with an orchestra. And it, it was a beautiful analogy and we sort of took it to like the nth degree, but that might be great for you to share. It's, it's really different. Like Kathy talked earlier, you know, we, we think of change management as being very episodic. Um, it's about a thing that we're doing. We're implementing this capability or we're changing this organization. As I think Paula was talking about, it could be reorganization. And so what are the steps that we go to to make that change happening? 
And if life were that clean and simple, you know, that would that would be easy. And then we think we're done and we put it away. And and that's not really what transformation is. And it's it's really like playing managing that orchestra where you have a lot of different changes and a lot of different activities going on in your organization all at the same time and they have to work together and if you're not careful one will unintentionally run into the other and you know it's going to make a horrible sound probably one of the mistakes is to think that it's all on the conductor and if anyone's ever been to the orchestra much or been a part of an orchestra um, you'll know firsthand that the conductor isn't the only person who leads who trains, who practices. There's usually a section lead in each one of those instrumentations who will lead additional practices. They have breakout sessions where, where they practice. Usually when you, an orchestra starts, it's those first chair leads who are, who are probably leading that group and in, in where they're starting. And, and any executive leader is going to have to have those same types of lieutenants. They're going to have to be people within the organization that they can count on to help manage. And a good transformational leader isn't going to be afraid of delegation. They're going to have to depend on those extensions of their leadership through their, their lieutenants, whether that's other people in the C-suite, um, maybe that middle management section, but there's going to have to be a cascading of that process into each one of those components to make sure that everybody's kind of working in concert, if you will, together. Otherwise, you know, you could have unintended impacts. And, and a lot of times in transformational change, you will discover um, both intentional changes and some unintentional changes. And really the secret is how adaptive you can be and how quickly you can discover those, maybe even fail, but fail fast and fail forward um, and pick the pieces up and kind of pivot as you will. And, and that's really kind of the true test is that you don't have to be perfect. And a, a good leader knows that, but a good leader knows, let's test, let's not wait, let's get out there and let's test something. Let's find the failure points, let's um, pivot, let's reimagine, adapt to it, and let's move in the, in the right direction and learn from it and move on quickly. The real danger is waiting. The longer you wait, the more pain you know you sit through. It's like, if you mm -hmm. have a toothache and you you delay going to the dentist <laughs> does it really get better no does it? it it gets worse and worse and obsesses and uh, the same thing will happen in your organization if there's components to your change process that aren't working and and you're not agile enough to like dig in you know the faster you fail the better i know that sounds counterintuitive and it sounds like a negative but it, it truly is it's true in innovation approaches that what you want to do is is pick those small pieces that you can investigate try something find what does and doesn't work and then build upon those positive components and, and move forward and that's that agile piece and that's really one of the secrets to transformation totally agree and i think it's so important too when you think about making sure people are understanding that it's okay mm -hmm. to fail and we expect that like it's about you know testing and Iteration. learning and failing yeah, because um, I think so often people think it needs to be perfect and you need to get everything all lined up before you execute. And really, that's I think more more and more people are actually honestly taking an agile approach with new um, transformation efforts as well. So but I think that's real important to set that expectation. You're going to fail and we want you to. It, you know what, Marty, I hadn't thought about it when we talked about it with um, but having played not in an orchestra, in a band, um, but part orchestra of what light. happens, orchestra light, when you have a first chair or you have really dedicated people, your peers are holding you accountable. It's not anybody right. else. It's like, look, guys, we as a section aren't stepping up to the plate. We got to step up to the plate and keep up with everybody else. So it also helps the leader sort of distill some of the responsibility like and push it down which is really what as professionals and adults who probably worked really hard in our careers is exactly what we want oh, trisha for some reason it will always be the clarinet back off lady it's not a <laughs> hey it's a wood instrument and if you can play a clarinet you can play a flute you can play an oval you can play a tenor sax you can play an elbow sax you can play a bass clarinet That's not right. that my brother does <laughs> they're not always the problem children yeah and one thing i was you know talking earlier i think is key when we talk about resilience energy conservation i think sometimes the mistake is thinking that 
you know, to be good at transformation means you got to do everything, right? And you have to do everything at once. And that's not really the right answer. And that's not what anyone's saying either. I think it's about measuring how much your organization can manage and not stalling, continuing to move forward, trying different things. When one thing is done, like, you know, move on to something else. And from a resilience standpoint, I think, you know, understanding what's the right load that your organization can carry in any one spot. And, and because you have a large and adaptive organization, you know, you can have multiple projects going on at the same time, but be cautious and aware of where they may overlap and where you're utilizing the same talent and the same skills and, and your people resources because they will burn out and they, and they can get tired. You know, we only have so much energy. They have personal lives. Um, they have work lives. They have emotional lives. There's a lot of things that are going on around them all at once. And uh, you have to just be careful about where you place the load. It's, it's, great to be able to do multiple things at once, but be conscious of who you're taxing and where those overlaps lie. Most definitely. What are your successes for the two of you, like in terms of getting, you know, senior leadership on board with their involvement and, you know, communication, like what are some of the tips that you have found successful in your past? Engage them in the solution. Mm. I think the more the senior leadership feel accountable for the solution, the easier the time is you're going to have and getting, getting to a good place. Where I've had issues is when the senior leadership doesn't want to participate and it's like, go fix this, you know, go make this better and come back and tell me that you've done it. That's going to be a problem. You know, I think that's where, you know, the, the senior leadership who are interested in being part of that journey, they want to hear, they want to engage um, when things aren't, working quite right, they they can even offer up ideas and they want to be a, kind of a part of that conversation and that dialogue in a, in a really organic way. That's where I think it's I've had the most success. It's, yeah. it's those that want to stand at a distance and direct or assign. That's usually a red flag. Well, and it's interesting. I'm thinking about, again, yesterday, Marty, we've had a lot of success where if you can just have the senior leadership step back, it's like, let us work with your teams. You know, mm -hmm. let, let's get, let's pull the teams together. Let's hear what they have to say, because I know, we know they have the solution. They just, they haven't been able to like articulate it or push it up to their senior leaders. Yesterday with a client that we won't name, we were having a cross-functional working session on process design. One of the divisional vice presidents, and it's like one of those glass bubble rooms that you can see in, and there were probably 15, 16 people in there in a very engaged, um, interactive conversation. One of the divisional presidents walked past and then he walked past again. And then he brought a group of people back with them to say, almost like, look at what they're doing. And sometimes it's getting them to pause and say, let your people bring you some ideas because they may have the solution that you haven't been able to come up with. And it was, it was really fun to see um, that sometimes they're like, wow, wow, our team did that. Yes, your team did that. That's great. I listened to a podcast earlier this week and um, I thought there was an interesting question to pose, you know, to leadership if they are not engaged or even at the beginning of the, of a project or an initiative. But the question was, what percentage of the transformation ROI depends mm. on people adopting? <laughs> just to get them to understand the importance of the people and the change, because more than likely it's gonna be a pretty high percent. Um, so just to be able to understand like this, this really is dependent on the people. And so we've got to make sure that uh, there's investment, you know, in, in that. So I thought that was a good question to be able to ask. And then I think even just that, that quote around the number one success factor is senior leadership stake, you know, like their, their engagement. So I think that's the other piece that they just, they don't recognize and they don't, they don't realize. As you were talking about podcasts, Paula, who is participating right now has told me about the Nordstrom brothers do a podcast on sort of the inside, like inside baseball of retail that she has said it's fantastic. Um, and one of the things we've prepared um, as a lead behind for you is just different resources. If you want to learn more, you want to, uh, it's a podcast, it's a YouTube video, it's a TED talk. 
Um, but as soon as I heard podcasts, I was like, yeah, the Nordstrom podcast. Do you remember which one you were listening to, Carrie? I don't know. I'm going to look it up in my history and see if I can figure it out here. But carry on. Kathy, do you want to talk about, do we want to share with the group about our OCM assessment? Yes. As a matter of fact, um, today, live on our website is if you're interested in just getting a level set or a gauge of where your organization is right now in terms of change leadership, transformational leadership, is we put together an assessment that you can take and it will point you to, hey, here's what's going well, here's some things that you might be focused on, and then give you some recommendations for what are my next steps. We'd love for you to take it. There are very few organizations that I've experienced, I think that any of us have experienced, that are really doing it well. And especially in retailing and wholesaling, because we move so fast that there's bound to be things, particularly communication that fall between the cracks. So if you're like, well, okay, great idea. Love this. Would love to bring this to my organization. How do I start? Take the assessment. It's a very quick assessment too. So we <laughs> took it and an immediate response back and it shares your where, where your organization actually is. So definitely encourage you to do that. Obviously, there's a lot of people on the on the webinar. What um, what are you hoping to gain? What were you hoping to gain from this from our webinar today? Just kind of curious what questions mm -hmm. are out there. Is anyone in the audience going through change or is, is it going well? Do you guys have open <laughs> communication about change programs? Do you understand? Does your company have a position on change leadership versus change? Oh, management? that's a good question. We had one from a client recently oh. in our company, as I'm sure with others, there are politics and favorites involved, which mm. makes change and transformation very challenging. How can we overcome this? Ladies, how can we overcome this? Oh, you know what's so, that's a, it's a really interesting question because as I'm thinking about it, sometimes we all know it's the loudest voice in the room, right? It's not necessarily the smartest or the one that has the most insight. It's the person that talks the most. So sometimes the favored pupil is that person. And if you can neutralize them and proactively ask, Carrie, what are your thoughts? Marty, what do you think about that? And, and gather other input and lit and just say, hey, sit tight for a moment, so-and-so. Let's pull from the rest of the group and, and see what, what insights they might have. Um, can start to, it starts to give a platform for others that they might not have had before. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think a lot of it starts with, you know, it's, if you're in those moments, it's about, <clears throat> you know, kind of doing some of those things, Kathy, as you had mentioned, just kind of facilitation mm -hmm. tips, if you will. I also think that it's really important, no matter what, to get alignment. We're working with a client recently, and there was just some misalignment. So like misalignment in communication, misalignment with um, people, you know, having competing priorities. And so when you don't have that alignment first with, you know, the leaders, it's really, really hard to kind of eliminate some of the politics and the favorites and all those things because nobody's really clear on exactly where you're marching, what you're marching towards. So I think that that alignment piece is really, really critical Agreed. as well. And I, I'm assuming from the conversation that we're talking about, the politics and favorites are in what decisions to make throughout a particular change versus which changes get prioritized to even work on. I'm sure it could be both. With the importance of senior leadership involvement critical to success, what are some successful ways to address situations where they are not engaged? I would say the consistency of trying to attempt to get them engaged is probably the first. Um, I think that it just continuing to go at it. So I'm working right now with with a with a client that they actually are really engaged, but we don't, we, we personally have not had an opportunity yet to talk with the people in the C-suite. And so mm. I have asked for the last three <laughs> weeks, like, when can we get those interviews scheduled? And so it's just that consistency um, on, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, for us anyways, that we've got 
uh, format to be able to communicate with them. Um, I think the other thing is just some of the things that we had talked about before, like just making sure that there's clear alignment. So once you have the opportunity to, um, you know, to have that conversation with them, to ask their perspectives, try to understand the overall vision, um, making sure that our objectives of the project or the initiative are really aligned with the company mission, making sure that there's ways to be able to connect those things. Mm -hmm. So those are a couple tips. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, I would I'm, say there's no oh, one ahead, single way to, I'm sorry, there's, there's no one only way. Um, I think it's important just as, you know, we were talking about earlier from a leadership standpoint, it's important for them to understand what motivates their people and that they're individuals. Mm -hmm. Leaders are different too. And what inspires them and motivates them and, and what drives them to act can also be different sometimes, you know, sometimes had successful conversations about talking to them about the risk of not engaging you know what could your risk be to employee turnover and productivity if that happens the same thing if they burn out you know um it seems like you know if you drive this through you know you'll you'll get to where you're wanting to get to faster and you think it may cost you less but in the long run you know what is the real cost of burnout and, and people walking away or their productivity um dying and and so, so some leaders will respond to that other leaders who are very in tune with their organization and want and want to be the employer of choice or they want to make sure that they have a healthy well-balanced organization that may, you know they may already be on top of that piece and it may be more about um of a change in risk assessment to understand you know what's yeah. going to happen in their organization if x y or z doesn't align properly or or if there are resources that are needed and really kind of laying that out for them in, in a well-mannered way i mean in that c-suite in the top leaders they're they usually want to bottom line it. it you know they want to understand like what am i going to get or what am i going to risk losing you know and right. so the specific category of that gain or risk may be different by the leader depending on where their focus is i think too like you had talked about the you know every leader is a little different so you got to figure out their yep. hot buttons so really being able to understand like what type of a leader are they so are they you know are they a real analytical leader most of them will have some analytical um traits for sure so like you know go after the facts and the bottom line maybe some others are really around being more you know inspirational and more of a promoting style of a leader so you know talk about the benefits and the the vision and some of the, the things that might you know affect the people in a different way but i think it's really understanding like what what that leadership yeah like what that leader like what their communication style is and then mirroring this the style to them so the person mike who asked the question i think we did that with um, one of our clients it was a stakeholder but just being able to adapt our communication to that individual you know can definitely make a difference and did make a difference so it's really adapting your style to their to theirs i think there's something to be said too for and, it, and it's so hard in our hybrid virtual world now, but there's something to be said for a one-on-one -on -one conversation. To just say, hey, I, I'm, I'm seeing this behavior and I'm not hearing a lot from you as far as promoting and advocating. What's up? Let's, let's talk about it. And get them to tell you what is the hesitation. Is it that they're not committed? Is it that they're concerned are they afraid that they personally might lose control right. uh, you know sometimes I, I think we're really afraid to say okay that seems like an awkward moment what's going on the second point that actually marty made um is excellent as particularly in business senior leaders tend to be more about the what will i lose they're not as 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 much as we would think the research has shown that if you can tell look here's what will not happen if this doesn't go well you're going to lose this 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 that they're more concerned about loss than they are about gain so i think we shy away from that and i'm like we got to talk about the gains tomorrow phone here's what's going to happen you're going you're going to have 100 percent turnover you read your glass door ratings not going to be good you will not be able to find great people you are not positioned in like a key city where you can recruit 
things like that resonate sometimes more depending on their style with the leader than than others if it's the charismatic leader that carrie was talking about it's like you you can paint that picture of them being like you are going to rally the troops you're going to like just go out and we, we are going to take over the world and they're totally going to go with you but we've got a you know there's other leaders that are like more i don't want to lose my job i don't want to lose face that will work will work with the deficits that way i think one of the other tips too which is hard to do but if you build a good relationship with the admin <laughs> that's the first thing but then to be able to get lunch you know or coffee so they're actually outside of their element and not distracted i think that's really critical as well is just to be able to you know if if the, if that works um to be able to get them where they can just focus on kind of the topic at hand versus in their office mm -hmm. or people coming in and out or in others or after or in the hall or whatever but just having that dedicated time with no distractions, I think is also key. Yeah. So it's good aspiration to have, but it does start with the admin. <laughs> Got to make sure you get on the calendar. So, that is such a great point. The one thing I Paula can't. said, she agreed on the part of consistency. So you gain trust and familiarity. And I would say that's also what the words trust and familiarity triggered me because it was like, oh, that's another method is find the people that that leader trusts and, and is familiar. Yeah. There's always someone, whether it's, even if it's the CEO, there's somebody or somebodies in that organization that they listen to more than others. It may be the the favorites and political thing, you know, that you were talking about, but there's usually key individuals who, you know, they have a lot of respect for or they listen to. Um, try engaging mm -hmm. that way. And if you can win some of those listeners and, you know, whether it's change manager or change literature, we talk a lot about like when you're looking for change agents within the organization, the influencers can sometimes be exactly who you think they're going to be. And sometimes they surprise you, like yep. Carrie said, maybe it's their executive admin, their AE might have a lot of influence, at least on getting you a coffee date. Um, but sometimes, you know, you have um, the opportunity and it, it might be a director, it might not be the C-suite person, it might be someone who's really out there and they have great results and they're just very trusted within the organization. And yeah. they may help be kind of the, the tip of that spear for that conversation and, and help you make a point that otherwise you would struggle getting across. But find those those people who are trusted and familiar and have, have a background with that leader. That, yeah, sure. that that is probably one of the easiest methods to go about um, because they'll pave the way to help, to, to help like, okay, just listen, just listen. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I think if we went back, like Paul had a comment about consistency and familiarity, it, there is, I mean, I will admit, I just keep showing up and I'm like, hi, yeah, I'm here. Hi, yeah, you wanna talk about that? Hi, what about that change curve? Hi, yeah, we need to talk about the people. That at a point, there's just something that, you know, they're finally like, fine, okay. So <laughs> we agree that people are important. Whatever it takes is there's a tenaciousness to it that you can't walk away from. So Kathy, do you wanna um, talk about like the importance of stakeholder analysis and how we approach that is that a key yeah yes um, here in this conversation i think that is an, an excellent point and when it, when we think of stakeholder analysis i mean we're not talking about the steer co part of that stakeholder analysis is really understanding who are your advocates who's on the fence who isn't and helping to like form the team of ambassadors that is going to help you push the mission in many most respects, I'm one person, Carrie's one person, Marty's one person. I'm not going to be the one to push it over the line. The team, the employees are the ones that will be. So when we take a look at the stakeholder analysis, I think we are very quick to jump past it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll figure that out. And six months later, you're like, in hindsight, if we would have paused and really sat together as a group, and reflected on the different people's styles and how they interact, we would have been a lot smarter about how we went after it. Um, Nia and I did a, did a leadership workshop for transformation with a, with a client. 
and I think we had probably maybe 10, um, you know, senior leaders um, at the table and we had them do our self-assessment too. And it was supposed to be kind of a, you know, well, it is a fun thing to do because it's kind of a fun little profile and it identifies the different leadership styles. Like these, this is how I show up as a leader during transformation. And what we realized is we had an entire group, basically all in the same style. And so yeah. in the, the change effort, wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't accelerating at the pace that we were hoping for. But it was a really good insight just to be able to see like, okay, let's talk about this. You know, knowing that everybody's in this particular style, like what are the things that you need to do differently? You might have, maybe it's not your strength, but you're okay at this. So how do we, you know, try to leverage different people to be able to be kind of more of the cheerleader? Because at that point, they didn't have anybody who was kind of yay, rah, rah, let's go and being inspirational. Um, they had much more, you know, the analytical, uh, the analytical leaders. And so we were able to have some dialogue just about like, what will that look like? And um, I think just having that balanced leadership, you know, within the leaders that were leading the transformation was really important. And by now, if we didn't, if we hadn't done that assessment, we would have never known um, that mm -hmm. that you know that everybody was basically same style. But it was really eye opening for a lot of different reasons, but primarily for just being able to kind of sort through like, okay, we need people to show up and communicate differently because your teams are missing information. Yeah. They don't feel like they're being heard. They don't feel like they're recognized. They're being you know told what to do, and so we were able to kind of divvy out a little bit different responsibility. So that's that, a that really cool idea, Terry. I, I, I love that you brought that up because it's so under, I don't know if the word is underappreciated or just underknown about in that, you know, how the, those leadership styles or communication styles, there's lots of different slants towards that is really underappreciated how impactful it can yes, be on an organization's ability to communicate and adapt to each other. Mm -hmm. And it's that cohesiveness right. between those, not just the leaderships, but the, even the people who report to them or they report to and, and how they interact with one another that can be so make or break sometimes. Mm -hmm. I had a similar situation in a large transformational project and we did a similar type of project. It, it was more focused around communication styles versus the leadership styles right. like you were talking, but same similar concepts. It was one of the single most impactful change components that we actually implemented there. And people who worked in offices together for years were like, oh my gosh, this has helped so much. Now I know how to talk to, you know, my buyer. I know how to talk to my VP or, you know, it's just very different. They just learned so much um, by going through those concepts and, and they were, they really wanted it. They were hungry for it. And it really changed how the organization communicated with each other. It's such an, disservice as executives as we're being promoted up through the ranks you hit a position where i think it's assumed that you know everything mm -hmm. you don't you don't need to step back anymore and like take a look at your behavior or think about you know take that time and i'm like come on it you know it, it's like i'm well into my career and if i don't keep learning and keep trying different things if I stayed in the same sort of pattern that I was in, my job would be obsolete at this point. Mm -hmm. And that that whole conversation around coaching and executive coaching is very, I think it's looked at as um, a frailty or they're vulnerable or, but I'm like, where are you supposed to learn this stuff? Unless the, unless the executive is just gifted or they're very proactive in like chasing, you know, their education and reading, you gotta help because you, you hit a certain uh, an SVP level doesn't mean you are like the all knowing odds. Right. Well, and on top of that too, the higher, the higher you get up in the food chain, so to speak, the less feedback you get. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that that's another piece too, is like you, they don't, they're not no. hearing the feedback. There's this, I think there's a, there has been a shift, maybe since mm -hmm. COVID, maybe it's been a little bit longer, but um, like a, an awareness that people in leadership roles, they should be humble, they should be vulnerable, they should share what they don't know. And I think that's becoming a little bit more accepted than in the past. 
And I think we need to continue to push that forward because again, going back to our teams want transparency. They want the leaders to be transparent as well on this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not. This is what I need your help with. So I think just really being able to create an environment um, to be able to do that is really important. I did want to go back to the um, the, the piece around um, the workshop that Nia and I did with the client. The other thing that we learned from that, which we weren't necessarily expecting, but that whole group of leaders was really unclear on the vision. And we went into that thinking, we're going to do this change leadership workshop. It's going to be all about their self-awareness and what they can do to help their teams go through the transformation. And it backfired a, a little bit. <laughs> they actually were really frustrated and really opened up and said, we don't know what's going on. Like, we have no idea what is the transformation. And, and so... Again, going going back to taking people out of their environment, mm -hmm. it doesn't just have to be the CEO that you're taking to, to lunch, but getting people outside of their day to day and bringing them together to talk about the project and the learnings and things like that, you uncover quite a bit. And you know, for us, it was like a reinforcement that you know you got to be really clear with the vision and what are what are the objectives, yeah. and not necessarily just go into all the how and you know the the steps along the way. But if people can't see the vision, they're lost. They're lost. No matter how many tools and communication pieces you give them, if they don't understand what that vision is, they're not going to be able to help lead the transformation. Right. So, so we're down to our last forty to seconds. If you got one yeah. thing you want people oh. to remember. We're done. What's the one thing you want to remember? Kathy, you oh, go wow. first. Okay. I have to think for <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm going to, it's my story and I'm sticking with it. Change leadership is not an option. Change management is not a practice. It's not a function. It's not an offering. It is day to day life. If you're not naturally resilient, you can learn it. If you're not naturally adaptable, you can learn how to be. But that is, I, I've always just liked the phrase change management because I'm like, uh, that's just business. And especially in retailing, I grew up in, in stores. That's just the way we roll, is if you couldn't adapt and shift, then you weren't going to be there. Your numbers weren't, weren't going to be there the next day. Mine would be that for organizations to transform, whether that's again through a project or through a large scale initiative, that the leadership has to evolve. And it really that's, starts yeah. with the active sponsorship of senior right. leaders. I would say resilience is a muscle that everyone can build. Mm -hmm. like I that. agree. And if you don't know how to get started, call us. <laughs> All right. Agree. We'll be your trainer. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thank Cheers. Cheers. Thank you all. It's been a happy hour. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, Thank oh, you. I get it now. A happy hour. Thank you all. Have a good night. Happy <laughs> hour. Good night. That's a wrap for this episode of Talk Retail to Me. If you have questions related to today's topic, please visit our website at parkeravery.com to learn more and to contact us. Also, we'd love it if you shared Talk Retail to Me with any of your colleagues. It's streaming on all the major podcast platforms, and the videos are available on our YouTube channel. For more Parker Avery industry expertise and advice, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.